Hello, welcome to Healing Out Loud with me, your host, Jackie Shea. This is a place to relate to the darkest days and be inspired by ultimate triumph. Each week, I interview a brave guest who has extensive experience with illness and or wellness, and hopefully we will leave you inspired to warrior on, highly informed about something new, and connected to a tribe of amazing humans. Because the only way out is through, but it helps to have a tribe walking with you. Hi everyone, happy new week, happy Monday. I have such a special episode for you guys today with my dear friend Stella DeMont. Stella has decades, a lifetime of health struggles behind her and she is the most vivacious person I know. She has explored all realms of healing but it was when Lyme disease almost killed her that she dropped into her deepest truth and the whole damn game changed. We are talking deep and full on healing today from every aspect of it. Stella is one of the people that gave me tremendous assistance on my own road to wellness, so I can't recommend this episode enough. Take a listen, share with your friends, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Follow me at Jackie on Instagram for special weekly challenge updates. Follow me at JackieShay.com and write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me and join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. I'm going to hit you with a fun fact this week. If you listened in last week, you know my house stunk of bone broth. It was well worth it, guys. Today, I'd like to share that Ian and I are celebrating our four-year anniversary, which is just amazing. And one of the gifts he got me was a pair of purple and coral beach bunny moxie roller skates. They are amazing, and they are about to take over my Instagram, so stay tuned. All right, let's hit this week's healing. Hey, everyone. Today, I have with me a very special guest, Stella DeMont, founder of Whole Being Alignment, working with clients to trust their body's wisdom and guidance. Also, Stella is a dear friend of mine and somebody I respect greatly and who has helped me more than I could give her credit for on my own road to healing. So I've been actually trying to get Stella on for (laughs) (laughs) like 25 weeks, let's just say. And and so here she is. Hi, Stella. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. So good that you're here. Um, I think you're going to be a huge asset to so many people, Mm. to so many people that listen to this podcast, as you are a huge asset to people in your life, in your life, (laughs) or lives. (laughs) The many lives we love. (laughs) So tell me, so that people can get a little bit of a background, you have a a complex, in-depth background with Mm. with body... um, What's the word? Like body misfirings? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it all really started pretty much from birth. You've had some stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Will you give us a little bit of what you can? Sure. How that all played out. Uh, I was saying to Jackie before we started that this is my least favorite part is to tell all the things in succession um, about all the health difficulties, because it actually makes me feel sort of um, like, holy cow, how did I live through that? Um, And I've given her fair warning that I may cry um, just because I'm going through kind of a melting um, process in my life right now, which hopefully will be of service to someone. But um, apparently, I think when I was about one and a half, it was the first time that I got pneumonia. um, And uh, it was pretty intense and... I think I had 
tubes put in my ears and I had my tonsils taken out at age two and um, subsequently I got pneumonia 11 times between two and 12 which kept me out of school quite a bit um, and because it's the kind <laughs> that you'd have you know for like six weeks at a time <laughs> and little kids you know when they're four like they don't know who the heck you are when you walk back in they're like four you know so I just had this thing where I'd go out and come back in and go out and come back in and um and I remember being young and I would hold the thermometer in my teeth so because I knew I would have a really high fever so that my mom would just let me go out and play you know, because the opposite like, of so, what so many kids are doing, holding yes. the thermometer yeah, yeah. to the light bulb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> um, and I remember when I was young, I was allergic to basically every single thing in my environment. So I wasn't allowed to have milk and I wasn't allowed to have toys because I was allergic to like the things that were, you know, the dust that would, I mean, it was just sort of, um, you know, a bummer. <laughs> and so I started getting allergy shots um, when I was seven for basically every single thing that I was coming into contact with. And um, the allergy shots helped quite a bit. And I think as, probably as hormone changes and things happened, like when you're 13 or so, my body started to get a little more resilient. And then when I was 19 uh, or 18, I can't remember, I, I had gotten a really bad sunburn. And I woke up the next morning and I had a, like pain in every single joint in my body. And... Um, I'm someone who's so curious about everything that when I first had um, pain in every joint, I just thought like, wow, there's a joint there. You know, it wasn't like I wasn't like traumatized in the moment yet. I was like, that's a, huh. You know, um, everyone has only ever perceived me as vivacious, you know, and I didn't identify with being like a sick person. But I really was. I mean, I really was like battling my way through uh, life. So anyway, um, when I woke up and every joint hurt, I remember my first hit of that was almost just like I was just, I found it fascinating. And then I was exhausted. And then all my joints began to swell. Um, and I... And, and I mean, I had a level of fatigue where like I couldn't drive a car and stuff um, within a week. So they took me to um, a rheumatologist, I think. And my blood work was so outrageous that I had like a sed rate. Um, for those of you who know blood tests, the sedimentation rate is the inflammation marker uh, that was like that of a 90 year old. Wow. And, um, and I was starting to notice like it was really hard to get in and out of a bathtub and things like that. Just, you know, uh, and by week two, um, like I couldn't right now I'm bending my wrist like you would in a yoga class. Like I couldn't do that. Um, my knees were the size of melons, like everything was swelling, uh, that was a joint and, and the blood work at that point, I think was, um, they, they were pretty sure that it was rheumatoid arthritis because uh, I had so many like elevated levels. And then um, and then they told me to be prepared because I'd probably be in a wheelchair. <laughs> and, um, and I just have this spirit. I mean, you know me. Uh, and I was like, no, I won't. And, but it was getting progressively, um, I was getting very limited. And of course, with Western medicine, there's no way for you to... Um, navigate that with any kind of 
advocacy at 19 when the markers were and I and I don't remember really what they were now but they were so high that it was like I had one healthy cell to like 2000 unhealthy it was it was something that like they'd never seen kind of thing but inside I just had this life force that was sort of like you know you don't know me you know that was like that right and so I sorry yeah go ahead at this point they're not associating the autoimmune stuff with the 11 pneumonias. Is anybody asking? No. Is anybody saying, nope. like, what was your health history? No. Yeah, great. <laughs> Never. Let's take a quick break from my show sponsor, SaneBox. If you asked me to name the single biggest workplace time waster as an entrepreneur, I don't even have to think about it. The answer is email. In fact, a recent study found that almost 50% of the time that managers spend tending to their inboxes is spent on emails that should have never been sent to them or that didn't need an answer. I've tried to manage the excess so many times, manually deleting thousands of emails, making folders, and unsubscribing to lists, but it always gets out of control again. When I got sick, guys, I learned that I needed to have an organized, uncluttered life. I need to utilize every tool available to me to lessen my daily stress. However, being a busy entrepreneur, it's hard to keep a stress-free email inbox. It can be overwhelming. In fact, it gave me anxiety just to open my email before SaneBox. I desperately wanted a clear screen so I could streamline, focus on what was important, and deal with what wasn't important later. SaneBox gave me exactly that. I no longer waste my precious time and energy deleting unnecessary emails or being overwhelmed by a packed screen, not to mention that the less I have distracting me, the more productive I am. When I have time, I can open the folders that SaneBox effectively manages for me and read the news and unimportant emails and read newsletters I'm interested in, lots of health newsletters. I don't miss anything important or that I enjoy. I can't recommend this enough, my friends. I love seeing zero in my inbox. I love having everything managed for me and put into separate places. I work more effectively and I sleep easier at night. Not kidding. Because we could all use better sleep and more efficiency in our busy lives, I worked out a great deal for my listeners. You visit sanebox.com backslash Jackie Shea today and they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top of the two-week free trial. You don't have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's really nothing to lose. I love this about them. Check it out today and let me know if you love the organization and lessen stress as much as I do. Again, that's sanebox, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com backslash Jackie Shea, J-A-C-K-I-E-S-H-E-A. All right, let's get back to our episode with Stella. I remember this man. He was in his uh, late 70s. He was like top of his field, but still in that training of, um, I know better than you, little girl, you know, kind of um, uh, this. I remember so distinctly um, as I started to work integrative stuff, but I don't want to jump ahead. But I asked him a question which was, um, could you tell me what exactly is happening in my body so that I could visualize the opposite? And he laughed at me. Mm. And, and I remember being like, this is super unhelpful. Like, how is, how is that taking any skin off his nose, you know, to, to just answer the question, right? If, I mean, even if he doesn't believe in it, right? I mean... Anyway, so... So last week's episode was about the gender bias in medicine. Do you think him laughing at you in that moment had anything to do with you being a woman and, like, kind of emotional? Well, I'm sure... I I actually was... 
I think I was more dissociated at that point than, than emotional. But I will say, I think he thought it idiotic. Really, truly. Like, no one was talking about the mind-body connection in the 90s. Right. You know, re- not, not integrative medicine was really just... It was hard to get soy milk, you know. Um, uh, <laughs> which now we know is not even good for you. Right, exactly. But back then, that was like, you know, big deal. <laughs> so anyway, um, I remember that they were going to give me cortisone shots in all of my joints. And I read about that, and um, and it said something like, you know, it's basically like a Band-Aid kind of thing, um, that if they uh, gave you cortisone shots, it will help you in the short term, but by the time I'd be 40, it would really have deteriorated me farther than if I hadn't gotten them. And so I kept feeling like, who are the people that get well, despite their prognosis? Who are they, and what do they have in common? Because all these people on the planet overcome crazy prognosis all the time what do they have in common and um so there was this one man james gordon in dc who wrote like a a mind body connection um thing is a center for mind body i I don't know the specifics because i'm terrible with names but um uh he's wonderful and he had a at the time he had a two and a half year waiting list um and I did get his secretary who said, I'm so sorry, you know, but like, of course, because he was healing people without drugs and things like that, mm-hmm. everyone wanted to see him. And um, so I, I got his home phone number. <laughs> How? Uh, in a phone book, you know, in a phone book. And and I think I called it like 945 at night and he answered. <laughs> wow. And how are you doing your research generally at this point? Are you... Cause, uh, cause well... I'm trying to think how his name came up. Oh, I read The Anatomy of an Illness. Oh. Right? Have you read that book? No. Okay, so that was the first precursor to things where people were like, yeah, and I stood by this big jet propeller for 20 minutes, and then afterwards I noticed that my body sort of, you know. So it was people who were starting to put together, like, environmental sensitivities or things that were not on the radar at all initially for a lot of people. So that person I believe had some references and I'm still kind of following like how how do I get in touch with people who um, are doing cutting edge uh, stuff and it wasn't DC you know Mm -hmm. so there were some really cool people ironically connected to NIH and things like that so I worked with a woman who uh, named Mary Lee Estee, who had a prognosis of um, death within a few months um, from uh, breast cancer that was so invasive. And she not only healed herself, but like went on to teach uh, me biofeedback. And um, like, I mean, I could I could raise my body temperature just by thinking about it after working with her. Wow. <laughs> and when I saw Dr. Gordon, uh, he did what you just said he sat me down and he said we're gonna go through your whole life and we're and and that was the first time I was able to see trauma linked up with these huge episodes um and it also felt really profound to sit across from someone who uh, was present like that and interested it's so upsetting for me to hear that because it's like why is that profound? Like, that's how it should be right. always with a doctor. But it is. Right. I know it's the most comforting thing to right. sit with a medical professional or anyone 
who really listens and cares and is looking for a solution for you. Well, he has a he had a funny story because he was a Harvard grad cocky himself until something went really awry in his life. Mm. And then he went through the whole thing and got stuck and stuck and stuck and stuck and then given prescription uh, you know, he was on like painkillers and all kinds of other shit that um, you know, ultimately he was like well, this is just a terrible model, you know. So he went to a guy that he said was a quack, but his last hope. And that, quote, quack was the person who cured him. Cool. So he started to learn, even though he was Harvard Medical, he was able to assess everything, which was so great, because he could look at all your blood tests. But then in the end, he really was taking you in. So... um can I ask before we talk about what he sure. ended up doing for you, how you're 18 years old, mm-hmm. 19, 18, how you're feeling at this point, separate from your peers, you know, you'd been kind of separate from your peers mm-hmm. a lot of your life, mm-hmm. but was there depression? Was there loneliness, anxiety? You know, I think if I'm really, really, really honest, and this is such an important piece of my own recovery is that um, I really realized that I, uh, you know, I got love and care when I was sick and suffering as a child. And I believe we are so adaptable and so attuned to um, our caregivers that I actually had a first little hit when I got sick of like, you know, like there was actually in my field, mild excitement. And, you know, I really hate to admit that, of course, because it's sort of creepy. Um, But, you know, we're such a product of finding ways to, um, you know, garner care and love and whatever strategy that is now, I have so much compassion and awareness for it, sort of like, oh, shit, you know, that's wild that that was my first response. And then after that, when I realized that it wasn't like a um, bump in the road and it wasn't a momentary thing, it wasn't like pneumonia, like this was something that was taking me down and I wasn't getting back up. Um, Then that's when I started to have this um, who gets better and why was, was coming across. I'm so glad that you just brought up that topic of Mm. being a little bit intrigued <laughs> by oh I'm sick right because mm-hmm. I had the same thing I I um I felt really neglected a lot in my home mm-hmm. and I used to have fantasies uh when I was like early adolescence or or you know maybe 13 I would have fantasies to put myself to sleep at night. And this is going to sound really sick. So everyone, you are welcome that you are getting I know. <laughs> Here we go. I would, I would get, have fantasies of being so sick that I was stuck in a hospital or almost died, mm-hmm. um, dying. And my dad would come visit me. Mm-hmm. And he would change. It would change him. Right, right. Um, and he would like... And I'd put myself to sleep this way. I'd pretend I was in a hospital bed and I would pretend that my dad had come Mm -hmm. to see me Mm -hmm. and be with me. Mm -hmm. And what was so crazy was that when I did get so sick Mm -hmm. and and was dying, my dad didn't change or show up or call or anything. Mm -hmm. And that shit was so hard because I spent my life thinking he, I I had like fantasies that he would if I did. So anyway, I'm really glad that you said that 
yeah, exactly. So the um, that that felt sense of, and then my dad will come, you know, <laughs> and uh, or then there'll be softness and care, right? Um, and I actually know a lot of people who have familial situations where the time that they get love and attention is when uh, there's uh, some somehow danger with the child, right? We just messed up. But I just sort of want to say it's nice that we're discussing it because, um, you know, talking about brain development and all those uh, kinds of things or staying in a hypervigilant state, which I know my body also was, um, is... It's so, so, so important. This man who, you know, sat down across from me um, was the first time that I saw that these sort of very explosive incidents in my household that my body would sort of shut down and implode. And, of course, as a kid, you're not tracking anything like that. And... um, And I remember he was very left field, you know. Like, Like, he said to me ahead of time, um, he does an assessment straight up like Eastern. You're naked on a table. And he's really, like, takes you in. And I never felt, I just want to say for the record, because I know that this is not um, standard or anything, there was never anything but total, um, I felt 100% safe. Um, I actually, I mean, you're covered with a sheet once he's, you know, doing the this checkup and everything. Um, but he did a combination of, homeopathy, chiropractic, acupuncture, and he really kept taking me in. And he even wrote down on a prescription, stop taking care of everyone else. And he handed it to me at 19, which at the time, it actually didn't compute at all, you know. Um, and and he had me fast, which was really interesting. Um, and I remember he asked me, like, how often do I move my bowels? And I think I was pretty constipated. Um, but I also just feel like <laughs> I had this in general fear, fear response. Like I just feel like that metaphor of like, mm, I've just got, you know, kind of felt hold like. It, hold yeah. it in, hold yeah. it together. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not letting anything go, you know. And so, um, so <laughs> he had me fast, it's going to sound so insane, uh, with broiled oranges. And the reason for that is that, and he did it per body weight. So I, I can't remember how many freaking oranges I was eating a day, but it was a lot. It was like 14 oranges. It was something horrible. Um, consequently, your poop smelled amazing by day four. Ah. Um, I mean, it literally smelled like verbena. Broiled. Yeah, broiled is just to take a little bit of the acid ah. out of it. Because if you were eating 14 oranges only, it would have so much acid in your system. Sure. But what you want is the simple sugar so that your body isn't going into shock. Right. In, in a total, it's not like a water fast. Um, and within... I think by day 10, the swelling in my body and my joints um, had gone down by 70%. Wow. Um, And that was in combination with a lot of um, homeopathy. And then after that, it was a raw food diet for two weeks. So I was having things like I was having raw fish and I was having like raw eggs and a smoothie and things like that, but nothing, no soy sauce. I mean, that's that's when I first learned about like what cold pressed oil is, you know, Mm. things like that. And... Um, you know, my mom kept saying, if I have to take you to the hospital, because of course it was so outlandish fasting. Right. You know? Well, it still is for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's, it, to me, I mean, he, the thing he said to me that made so much sense was, you know, our organs are meant to clean our blood. 
And when we give it a break by not putting in like um, a lot of complex different things, I mean, I was giving it one little thing so it could kind of like have that sugar to keep it going, but it basically could start doing some higher level stuff. Um, he's like, it's amazing what how the body will regenerate. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, cool. Um, and then he said, notice what you dream about. Mm. And um, all I dreamt about was like steak hoagies. Um, so, so because usually the things you crave are some of the things that are like not the greatest for you. Um, mm-hmm. And white bread for me was like one of the biggest ones. Um, so he put me on a um, no processed foods, no dairy, no sugar, no wheat. Um, and this was back when, you know, uh, really no one I knew was eating like that and it was hard to get meals like that um but holy crap I mean I just remember it's like if you were a dog it just was like a you know like my coat was so shiny you know (laughs) like my skin was glowing my hair looked amazing I had no symptoms wow by like week three of the raw food fast and then you did uh you started to bring other things back in and I remember um I had just had some like dried fruit, but it was um, cured with sulfur. You know how now you go and you get like unsulfured fruit. Yeah. So and I had I was so excited to have texture that I was in the car and I downed like I think a bag and a half of sulfured fruit, and within hours I had swelling and joint pain. Wow. So it was it's amazing when you see it like yeah. that. So clear. It's such a gift. It is a gift. Yeah. It is. It's like, oh, now you will never do that again, yep. most likely. Yep. Yeah. Um, and it was wonderful to uh, have that in there from such an early age. And I was also working with uh, biofeedback and people who were taking me through guided meditations with them. I mean, I was kind of doing anything. <clears throat> much later, or not much later, but later you ended up getting Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I had had Lyme disease without knowing it. And then... At this point. And then it hit. That's right. So so basically, from 19 on, I would I would have these kind of peaks and valleys. And, uh, and I was used to them by this time. It would sort of flare up and I would feel like, um, oh, I'm having one of those weird chronic fatigue. Um, I have to sleep all the time. Sometimes I would get these like really intense body rashes um, too. Um, And whenever I got a body rash, I knew that was like, cool it. You know, that meant lay down. Mm. Um, So you, so from 19 on, you would get these peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. You would get these Mm -hmm. moments where you really had to rest. They probably coincided with a lot of stress. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I was just going to say, so, so I, I can now say that they were definite valleys of tumultuous emotional times uh, that at the time, I was insisting that I could do it my way and kind of push through. I had a kind of bulldozing um, uh, energetic of like, you know, we'll make everything work, mm-hmm. even if the wheels come off the cart. Yeah. <laughs> not that my, always works really Not well. my motto today. <laughs> <laughs> so that kept happening. And then I think, I think it was... Uh, 2011, I had my first really big, um, uh, like I was sick, but I was having a lot of trouble uh, thinking and walking. And um, I was working at the time as a producer, and I was sitting with my uh, partner, 
And I remember, um, you know, we were going over something. We were editing a documentary thing, and I could not express the words. They were there, but they were not coming out of my mouth. And I remember making eye contact with him and just shaking my head like no while crying mm. because I couldn't... Um, I, I really, I really couldn't, I, I, I was having more and more of a kind of condensed way of communicating, which, uh, you know, of course is alarming to any um, person, but I think I was just in a little bit of denial about it, but then there was like a full stop, you know, kind of thing. And, and I remember there's the look on his face because, you know, I am a vivacious person and I am, I was running sets with, you know, 20 people on it and head of everything and interviewing people and, and, uh, and all of that was kind of becoming um, so um, not doable to me. And I was running a fever every day for months. Um, low grade, you know, like about 99, 100. Can I ask a quick question? Mm-hmm. So since you have already had so much experience with mm-hmm. illness at mm-hmm. this point or or or... or not wellness right (laughs) did you have a lot of fear and trauma around like please don't get sick again please don't please don't be symptomatic again like um, you know what's funny I didn't okay because I I think this last bout that was so you know that, that finally kind of brought me to my knees was the one that woke me up to my true experience of my poor darling it's been so hard from so early, you know. But I didn't have that kind of compassion for myself, so I couldn't have tapped into, whoa, this is looking kind of bad. You know, it wasn't on my horizon because my default was like, just get through it. You, you were know? a little disassociated. I would say it was a lot A lot disassociated. Yeah, and I will say, I want to I recall this one time when I was, um, I was working in a bar in New York, and it was one of these times where, you know, monthly I wouldn't be able to walk. And, uh, or when I did walk, it felt like I was like walking on broken glass. Like it felt, it was an unbearable level of pain, and I was prescribed like Vicodin and all kinds of stuff. Um, and um, I would always tell people it was a jogging injury. Oh, wow. Because I didn't want anyone to see me as, you know, less than capable because I really did have this self-worth that was outside me. So I thought that if I were perceived, you know, as somehow being like this bird with a broken wing, you know, like I, I would lose my job or people wouldn't care or, you know, whatever. Right. And, and, um, and one day I was at my job early and I was in so much pain. And, and one of the managers who I'm friends with to this day, you know, said, um, are you limping? And I said, yeah. And I was about to go into the, you know, it's a sports injury. And, uh, and I, I just told her and she looked at me and she said, well, that's not your fault. Mm. And it was sort of like the very first time that I had ever heard that. And, and the fact that like, I really felt like all of this must be in my control and, you know, and, and I felt really out of control that I was at job, you know, and in all this pain and, and then I've been trying to hide it for months, you know, and, and, uh, and it was really, I really want to say something, you know, to to anyone listening. It's like the the level of deprivation that I was living in was extraordinary. 
there were times where like to get from the bed to the bathroom, I pulled myself on a rug and didn't tell anyone about this, you know? So her saying that was a real cornerstone for me. Like, like I, I remember. That was after James Gordon? Before? That was after. It was after. Um, I was living in New York now, mm-hmm. and uh, I was in my 20s. But, you know, of course, it was sort of coming and going and coming right, and going. Right, right. And so I wasn't seeing him, like, as a practitioner at right. that point. Um, but anyway, so when I got, uh, you know, to this kind of knockdown, drag-out um, arrival of um, Lyme when it went neurological uh, in uh, 2011, I would say that my first response was denial. Sure. You know, I, I wasn't like, oh, no. Um, I was sort of like, Ugh. And then um, I went to go get blood work done. And our friend Laura mm-hmm. uh, went with me. And she heard the doctor say, you know, limit your walking. You know, like he looked at my, my results. And um, I think my white blood cells were like 1.4. And um, I had all these really strange opportunistic things um, at that point. And at that moment, you know, they were, they were all like, we don't know what this could be. <laughs> and, and uh, of course, I have this really sick sense of humor. And so I started calling it space aids. And, um, you know, <laughs> and I was like, because they literally showed me this one thing. They were like, see this here, um, you know, canines get this. And I was like, awesome. You know, like, just like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I will say that part, partly, of course, I have denial. But there's this other part that has this kind of, morbid fascination with it whether we're in these meat suits anyway and all these kind of crazy things are going to happen to them and like ain't this some shit you know what i mean like i i do i do always have a frame of reference is like huh you know and um so i think at a certain point around that time i was like i had been to john of god and um and i was like well this just sucks you know everything uh, in the situation was not pointing to a solution and neither um, we had done the really whatever the high level um, Lyme test was that was going to take six weeks or whatever. Hygienics. Yes, yes. Um, so I went off to uh, to Brazil and for those of you who don't know um, John of God, he is um, a healer in Brazil and a lot of people sort of last stop, you know, on their journey, um, sort of like if things are not working for them. Um, and I was, so I was in a lot of denial. I was, I was fainting when I was walking. And so they finally said to me, like, you've got, you've got to be in a wheelchair if you're going to be here. And of course my thought is like, I'm not going to take, you know, up space in that way. You know, there are, there are people here who have got way worse things than me, you know? Mm -hmm. And to them, it was completely practical, FYI. They were just like, you're using manpower because you faint everywhere. Right. Then we have to have three people pick you up. Right. Just stay in a chair. Crazy. Right. You know? So uh, so anyway, um, that was a new kind of recognition moment when I finally, you know, was like, I'm in a, I'm in a wheelchair. I will say, um, so, you know, John of God, uh, you know, Oprah's done like three shows on the guy. I mean, he's he's it's a it's a pretty amazing place. People who I think are not even sensitive have really powerful experiences there. Um, I loved it 
what I feel is that when you're sitting there, um, they call it current, you're just sitting in the room uh, where he's working and your, your hands are facing up on your thighs and your um, legs are uncrossed and on the floor and it does feel like current. It feels like you are being prayed through. Wow. And it's almost as if you can touch a lot of the things that I couldn't think about in real life because I had so much trauma. They would start to kind of bubble up and it felt like they got some cohesion. Like in my conscious mind, it felt like there was healing. And it felt almost like it was happening through me, but not by me. It, it, it became kind of this relief, like, right, that there was some place that you could go where you could touch into those places in your everyday life. There'd be no way that you could think about those things, you know? Um, and then if you're there for any length of time, there's this kind of phenomena that starts to happen is you're like, you know, Wednesday's like, dun, 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 you know, you have this major breakthrough where you feel like, I understand God now, you know, or, mm. or, or myself or something, right? And then... It kind of creates a vacuum, and then the next big piece of healing will dump in. So um, it's it's pretty rock and roll as far as healing situations go. Right. So what are a few of the things that, what are a couple of your turnaround moments, if you can remember them or think of them, that really took you to a place of understanding you needed to love the shit out of yourself mm-hmm. and care for yourself the way you would a small child yeah. in order to help you heal or in order to heal period it was definitely it was definitely once I got the diagnosis of Lyme which happened at Brazil oh wow yes and I started to take um what's what's the most used antibiotic doxycycline yes 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 and so um I I'm so sensitive to to any kind of western medicine that uh, I remember on doxy on the side it said like if you have any of these stop taking it and I had all five. Mm. And I had I, I was losing my vision. Um, I had blinding migraines round the clock. Like I wouldn't get a reprieve from it. I felt nauseous all the time. And I was starting to get this burning feeling in my esophagus that was so painful that it, it felt, I mean, it was nuts. So that was really unmanageable. And I, uh, you know, spoke to the doctor. And of course, he did the doctor thing, which was like, just give it some time. Mm-hmm. And I was like... I'm blind and puking. <laughs> like, yeah. this cannot be, oh, this feels like a no from my yeah. body, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, so, but oh, of course, God. when you're that scared uh, and you don't know what to do, you know, I did give it um, the old college try, but it um, it was such an, uh, and, and at that point, I was also on, uh, what was the herb protocol that we were both on? Cowden, the Cowden, the Cowden protocol. So, and, and that was also not great for me. Um, because my detoxing was so um, uh, worn by that point that it was it was like sort of overloading my system. So I, if I had any type of, I mean, they kept saying to me like, this shouldn't be happening. And I'm like, and yet it is. So around that time, I think, you know, I had all, I was doing everything, man. I was dry brushing in the morning, the evening. I was getting my lymph things, even though I was in a wheelchair. I was oil pulling. I was, I mean, you name it, I was doing it. I was doing all kinds of far out shit too, because I was desperate, you know, I was just doing whatever. And, and I still had this kind of sense deep inside me that I wasn't a sick person. So it was fascinating to me that I was having seizures and whatnot, right? Like, I mean, that, that part was, um, that part was really scary, um, 
And they still don't know what that was. It's I think they were calling it seizure-like activity, but I could be talking to someone and, and fall completely backwards and then flop like a fish. So I don't know what to call that, but that's what was happening. Um, and part of the turnaround at that point was that I was working with uh, a lot of my spiritual teachers um, via Skype. And my main teacher said to me when I was in the wheelchair, what if this is as good as it gets? Um, and, you know, I, you're with people there uh, that are dying. Um, um, some, some have miraculous recovery, but some, some people, you know, are going to pass. So this aspect of, um, you know, there were so many people there that were like, fuck cancer. And like, P.S., like, I don't have cancer, so I don't want to speak for whatever. But that was how I was um, uh, attacking the Lyme issue, right, was that we had to kill the offending you know, thing. And then I sort of pulled back to, but I don't believe this in my, in my personal life. I actually feel like when we create a war, we're in, you know, an altercation energetically. And so that piece never really fit for me. So when this teacher said this to me, and, and of course I had my human, you know, response, which was how, how dare you? Like, you can't, like, I really needed people to, quote, be on my side, you know, mm-hmm. and to sort of see the future and, like, all that kind of stuff um, in, in wellness, I mean. And um, the one thing I'll say just about how, however I'm put together is if, it's if, if someone present me with a door and even if I hate them, you know, it's sort of like if you get, if you receive good criticism, right? Yeah. And it can, and then you're like, oh, so true. You know, like, <laughs> so it was, it was a little bit of like one of those moments where I kind of hated him for saying it because uh, he was suggesting the worst case scenario, which yeah. I'm going to be in a wheelchair. But darn if it didn't start to really change something in my heart, which was... I remember really clearly um, I was lying on the ground in Brazil because I had, of course, no vitamin D, um, trying to get some sun, and I couldn't move around that much. And there was this tiny, tiny, tiny praying mantis that was smaller than my pinky nail. And, you know, they're phenomenal little creatures. And he's kind of looks like Mr. Peabody and is like, looks like he's making deep and grand decisions. And I was just really with him. And, and I let it in, like I really let it in to my body that this other sentient being was right there communicating. And something really landed in me, this what if it's as good as it get, where I was kind of like, what else around me is also talking to me right now that I'm just pushing away because I'm quote so sick. Mm. So I started to like let in, like, oh my gosh, you know, I started to take a micro photography because it was like one of the few things I felt like I had left, you know, to express myself. And, and um, I would take like a really close up picture of moss or something. And people would say, is that a rainforest? And I'd say, no, it's like moss, you know. So this is what started to, what I believe was the turning point for me, healing, was there, there started to be some ground in the rest that came from the surrender of this is the me that's here now. Let's take a quick break for the weekly challenge. <laughs> okay, yeah, totally. <laughs> 
Welcome to our weekly challenge segment where we arm you with new tools each week to kick some self-care butt. As you explore all of these new options presented weekly, my hope is that you will come to collect a number of quick ways to take care of yourself inside and out. You will essentially have your very own and very handy self-care toolkit. Some of the challenges may not work for you and some will seem perfectly tailored to you. We are building up your defenses, inspiring your mind, body, and spirit toward total wellness. Keep in mind that the goal is always progress, not perfection. The only rule is that you are never allowed to beat yourself up. Keep me posted on your progress. Stay accountable. It helps. Okay, let's hit this week's challenge. Okay, Stella, why don't you uh, tell us all about the weekly challenge there? That sounds okay. a lot like what you just talked about. Okay, great. <laughs> so um, I'm a big believer that our that our systems are always um, in harmony, uh, you know, with creation, right? So um, so it's kind of like what are all these whispers and cues and offerings that life is asking us to dance, and we're so in you know, our, our how do we get well place as opposed to what is here now, mm-hmm. you know? And so with just this very gentle one hand on the belly and one hand on the heart, just what is here, right here, right now, is um, my challenge to you guys because I feel like it's a softening. You know, if you can take a few slow breaths, you know, into a soft belly, even breathing in the word welcome, right? So that it's not about bypassing. This in no way is about feel awesome. It's about welcoming exactly how you are right now, which could be full of rage, by the way. Can you do it for us? Can you welcome what's for you right now? Sure. So, um, First, I'll start by um, I soften my pelvic floor, which if you uh, don't know what that is, you just sort of imagine that from the left hip to the pubic bone, the right hip to the coccyx, that those muscles are just smoothing and relaxing. And then I imagine my, I kind of pull down my awareness down to the top of my head, to the skull, to the throat, to the chest, inviting awareness down to the belly through the pelvis, then resting at the base of the torso. So I'm just anchoring myself a little bit. I might even give myself a little bit of weight there. And I'll really sense wherever I am is supporting me, right? So right now you've given me this wonderful chair. And I'm sensing that I'm not just sitting on the chair. The chair is actually supporting me. So there's a relational aspect there, right? So we can begin to really call in. This is a moment of support. Or noticing in this moment, right here, right now, I'm going to take one breath in of how much safety or support that there is. And then I might do a little body scan just to see if there's anything that wants, um, just, um, just like a, hey, what's up? You know, that there's nothing to exclude, right? So that even um, when I had really terrible pain, for instance, the training that I got was you would imagine the pain like as a fist and that you would very, very, very gently, you know, I do this now. I don't even try to make the fist open. I just, I just imagine breathing around it and just saying, hey, you know, that the, um, the, main, the main inquiry is deep, deep curiosity 
and wish for understanding. And of course, when we're really desperate, that's a very difficult practice to do. We just want it to stop. And if you're in a lot of pain, I understand that. I really, really, really do. And it's sort of like the pain is on energy. So whenever I find myself bracing against life, I don't have that much energy because there's so much that's going about managing how what's happening is happening as opposed to, oh, this is here. This little poo-throwing gremlin is here. And how does he get a hug and a blanket too? And that's how I actually began to visualize the Lyme in my body was that I was like, oh, you guys, you're here. So um, there is this waterfall um, in Brazil and uh, every day as a ritual, I would just imagine kind of like everything that wasn't of service to me was just kind of getting pulled away. And by the way, that's a great practice to do um, if you take showers because there's a reason why they used water with people who had mental illness is because it actually is, um, it's really great to uh, balance you. So it's just nice. I'm all for ritual, you know, um, just to kind of imagine that the things that are not you or not serving you are kind of getting pulled away and that that's not your job, right? We're not going in there with a scalpel. We're, we're just sort of intending that what's here right, right here right now is is okay. And the reason why that gives you so much more energy is because, hey, guess what? It's already happening. Mm -hmm. It's already there. So you being an ally with it, I believe, starts to create, um, uh, you know, kind of like that bridge that we all want now, intentions in the world, where if you get in close enough, there is a softening. So, so by me accepting the unacceptable, which by this point, it had been three and a half years, by the way, of me being like bedridden, gray and fainting. Oh wow! I and didn't and realize. being and being told that I was going to die, getting blood treatments in Malaysia and all kinds of stuff. So you know, it really did get quite dire. Um, but at no point did I um, actually say. I will say, <laughs> anyone who's been near death, you do get to the point where you're like, "Cool, I'm good," you know. And after this, this this round can i move on I, I just yeah move on. so let's that, just that's the challenge. so so the challenge is one hand on the heart one hand on the mm -hmm. belly get present and look around and if your eyes are open that's okay mm -hmm. if look around see what's in this present moment that's supporting you and and i would really add though if if there if there's a way to just um, you know focus in on the breathing slowing the breathing down and softening the belly is a big one because anchoring lower in the system will already connect you to uh, a different intelligence which is not the figuring it outness it's true when i breathe only into my belly mm -hmm. and you taught me to you I, I believe you taught me to soften my mm -hmm. belly and breathe only into my belly and my pelvic floor it really like it's like a, it's like taking a xanax it is yeah that, that's, that, so that's the challenge Right. I would say also remember that our awareness kind of hangs out, you know, at the forehead to a few inches above our head. So actually just inviting it down. And again, there's no there's you don't get points for being a meanie in this. Mm -hmm. Right. Not like, yeah, the aware. I still feel like I'm, you know, because by the way, you'll think through this whole thing. <laughs> it's not about not thinking. 
It's about being like, oh, not getting captivated. And then just you just go back to a gentle curiosity of can I drop it down for just one more moment? Oh, my God. I listened to this amazing guided talk the uh-huh. other day. Mm-hmm. And this guy said... Why are we always so mad at our mind when we're when we're meditating? We want to stop the mind. We want to stop the mind. Do we want to stop the heart from beating? Do we want to stop our liver from working? Uh, why we don't get mad at our heart for beating? <laughs> and I right, I right. think it's so brilliant. Right. So anyway, this is fantastic. So people have a, a very mean, um, you know, I think most people even think about meditation as being in samadhi experience, which is no mind, right? And that's that. Those are peak experiences, guys. You know that happen. You know. In Nepal and shit. I mean, all over the place. But you know what I'm saying? It's 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 it, people. I feel like there's a there's a overarching aspect of spirituality that's about uh, how do I get out of my suffering, versus everything that I believe in, which is about embodiment. Which is how can I be with the radicalness of the situation? Which is that I'm an embodied spirit, and my meat suit's doing funky stuff. You know? Right, and and there's and there's not and there's not the um, complete dissociation with I'm not my meat suit, I'm not anything, right? <laughs> uh, and there's not the total identification with I'm a sick and suffering, you know, and and this is this is horrible, right? Uh, but there's there's this mid ground, which is um, for me deep curiosity. The curiosity piece, um, I believe, is what healed me because at a certain point. Um, at a certain point, I stopped doing all Western uh, medicine, and it was because I kind of felt like I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I had done some uh, TRE, which is um, trauma release experience where you you bring on a micro shaking in the body, and um, that was the first time that I actually had a like get off of me, you know, like like I I all of a sudden it was it was like I had had every single time I had been poked since I was a baby. You know, and whenever I'd be in the hospital or something, I would always um, turn into such a manic clown because I just wanted people to like me because I believed if they liked me, I would be safer, right? Um, and I mean, talk about wasting energy. Anyway, um, it's like I just never really let myself be. So, so at that point, when I started to have this recognition that it was like, um, wow, my body is kind of screaming and I'm like it's okay it's okay it's okay it's okay you know there there are all these different levels where something would land and as soon as something would land I I could feel the intelligence of it like I I really noticed that this was a key that was a key um so Little things like that. I mean, people have been, um, the, the person who trained me uh, with TRE, she, her husband had been <laughs> cured of epilepsy through TRE, through wow. doing it daily. You know, so I, and I've always had this, the world is so big and so full of miracles that there must be something, just get me to the people, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so um, at a certain point, I started to feel, and I I had left Brazil at this point, but I started to feel like um, if I had any more treatments, I was going to have a nervous breakdown. I mean, I actually just had a moment where I was like, I think I was going to go to Mexico to get stem cells or something. I did have stem cell treatment in uh, 
Thailand. Um, I mean, I could, the number of things that I tried. And then, of course, I just want to say to everyone, you know, I had this kind of anyone who was sitting in front of me that was like, oh, this is no big deal. We'll fix this. You know, I was like, oh, you know, every time. I mean, you know, and then you get to like the 17th doctor and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll see. Um, and that is so true. Right? Oh, it's so painful. Yeah. I had so many doctors say that to me too. Right. We'll get it. This is this is exactly the treatment you need. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I was so excited. Like a little kid. And then, I mean, the abandonment I felt because of being let down so many times was so extraordinary mm-hmm. and it paralleled my childhood and it was like... Yeah, I stopped when I stopped trusting that and started being like, I don't really care what you say, mm-hmm. which is how I treat all doctors today. I'm like, so good. Literally, whatever you say doesn't hold any truth for me, but I can take what I like and leave the rest and like do what I, what resonates and not do the rest. And anyway, and I. P.S. I'm not saying so good, like, you know, yes, screw doctors, I'm, because there's so many people doing such wonderful work. Of uh, course. Mostly. Mostly, I meant that, you know, right therein lies this great opportunity is that when you see uh, those hard and fast patterns, right, of like, whoa, this reminds me of just getting dropped like an egg as a kid. You know, I'm kind of splatting every doctor, right? Um, so when I started to be able to um, source these these kind of common threads of trajectories, and I remember this one really incredible natural path um, that I saw in Bangkok said, Um, he said, it's like you've fallen down a well and we can't just give you a ladder because your system is so weak. So we've got to very slowly fill the well with dirt, Mm. you know, and, and that really made sense to me. Um, and you know, there, there were these people that were so in tune, uh, with bodies and, and systems. And I, and I could, I could sense it immediately when I would meet them. As soon as I was in their presence, my body would be like this one. Mm. And it was a very different system than that kind of um, hyper, like we're going to the circus energy that I would feel with some doctors, right? Like you're going to win cash and prizes kind of potentially, you know, like they're going to have the thing. Like most people who had what I felt uh, direct knowledge, they were saying much less fanfare, and they mm-hmm. were promising much less. Mm-hmm. And and they were also really inclusive of you being the cornerstone to your healing. Mm. Um, so at the point at which I felt like I was going to have a nervous breakdown, you know, my partner, he was really like, you're going to die, blah, 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 you know, like whatever. And I was like, well, then, you know, I, I could feel that I had come to an impasse. And uh, I am a big, I'm a, I do pray a lot, um, and I would strongly advocate also that um, I believe that prayer works even if you don't believe in anything, um, that you're just opening yourself to a creative force and inviting something in uh, that is not of your own making. So um, all the most miraculous things in my life that have happened have definitely not been my idea. So... um, I, I stopped doing all treatments, which, of course, everyone um, thought was the worst. Um, and angry. It caused people to be angry with me, you know, like like I was being um, dangerous. Yeah, because you know? they're afraid to lose you. Sure. Yeah, right. Um, and, and I'd say that, like, in that moment of sort of just, I, it's sort of like I planted a flag that was like, I'm here, you know, and I'm listening. 
um, it, it was almost immediate that the things started to open up. Um, I started doing neurofeedback the next day. It was one of those moments where I literally prayed and I texted her and she's like, I have been thinking about you nonstop for two weeks. And I was like, I'm down the street. She's like, I thought you were in Mexico. I was like, no. <laughs> so she, uh, she was like there. There were, um, I'm trying to think what the other thing, but they, but they all basically were about, again, nourishing what was already there and fortifying that. Um, and then from there, you know, were all the different pieces. Um, you know, we've talked about treatments, and I feel like you've talked so much on here about treatments that it's almost, that's not what I feel like my biggest offering is. My biggest offering is that I really believe that all of our bodies can heal and that we can fight off all kinds of stuff. It's about sort of calming uh, all the layers of the nervous system. It's about bringing in um, some real felt sense of ownership that you have power, you have actual power to begin to um, start to dialogue with like, huh, you know, I wonder, I wonder what this is underneath here. I wonder why, 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 why right now? You know, I, I've always been kind of not a fan of the question why because it gets people really heady. But I mean, more like I would think of the virus and I would just be like, hey, buddies, you know, it would be like that. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out. Right. Really camped out. Um, so, yeah, I, I, um, that, that's sort of where I started to realize that there was this little teeny, like, ooh, I don't like that, or, mmm, I like that. And I really started to notice that when my body really liked something, that my life force got a lot stronger, and I could feel that my immune system got stronger. Um, so, um, yes. So that's, that, yeah, so that's really, so, good. so that's literally... Uh, where um, that's where things shifted for you mm-hmm. and that's how really you started to get well yes you did all the treatments and you do talk about mm-hmm. them and you're not you're not like no, no yeah of course you're not like none of these worked and this is what worked but this is the thing that you really feel and I've written a blog post on this because I think it is so crucial especially to healing from Lyme because there's so it's elusive yeah. there's so many options there's so many like there's so many opinions mm-hmm. getting thrown at you all of the time mm-hmm. some of them them are just like that doesn't exist you're making it up so it's it's a lot and it's intense um but what's what's really cool is that this is such a gift of yours and this is what you do for work now (laughs) so now today you you're the founder of whole being alignment which is your company and i've been in sessions with you in many sessions with you or enough to to know that that this is what one gets out of a session with you. Mm. It is the which is what the, <laughs> the, the yes and the no. Mm-hmm. the the total the total ability to be in touch with. You know, and, and I do always say about myself that I have a strong inner voice. Like mm-hmm. I am, I have always it's loud it's mm-hmm. it's almost abrasively loud because I'm like I think because I've tried to deny it for so many years that it got really aggressive at some point <laughs> but uh there's so much fear for me around listening to it sure, so sure. with you 
as my guide um, before you even started your company. Yeah. You were, that was the way you guided me. Yeah. And, um, and so it's just brilliant. So I'm so glad that you are available to so many people mm. to help them, uh, you know, navigate. First, you said, calm down your central nervous system, which is something I you always do with me in a session. Mm-hmm. And then there's a guidance into your most authentic truth. Mm-hmm. Um, which is different for absolutely everyone. So I just really want to... Uh, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about your. It's it's just that there's just there's absolutely zero formula, um, so it's it's been a weird thing for people to say what do you do and you know, sheesh, I've really been through the ringer with the um, uh, trying to create something that will be clear, uh, but I really do work with everyone differently. I really really do because I'm listening to their bodies, so I feel like the reason why people. Um, come to that place of um, confidence and stillness is that many times that that kind of decoding that I'm doing of what I'm getting from their body versus what they may be saying are very often not the same. Uh, so, and, and as I kind of uh, bring them to inquiry, Right, so it's always they're they're always the participant to find. Nothing is done with a crowbar, you know. Uh, and I also will say that you know, uh, in terms of so so when, you know, when I was on this healing journey in every single continent, uh, in every single continent, people said, you know, you have this gift, and I was like, Ugh. and um, really truly like, and I and I know that no one, uh, um, uh, there's not many people I I know that was the most reluctant like I'm such a reluctant healer like I I literally was like okay clearly God's doing this because it was happening I was getting clients if I just bought a juice somewhere or if I got a massage and someone was intuitive and was like are you taking cl-? I mean it was not so banana pants so even I had to be like fine clearly this is God working um but the when I sit across from someone, the first part is just us um, having a conversation about um, what's going on in their life and what their intentions are, um, what they're experiencing. Um, and then, and I'm kind of just tuning in, just in a very soft, focused, general way. Um, and um, this isn't like Reiki, you know, uh, it's not, uh, it's just channeled information. I don't really understand uh, how I get it. but. But basically, I ask them to kind of check in if if what I'm getting is something that um, they're experiencing or makes sense to them. And then I'll, I've never had someone be like, no, you know, like absolutely not. Um, uh, so so that creates this invitation where they start getting excited because a lot of times what I'm pointing out is how when they're dropping into something that's really like an anchor for them or very true, their life force uh, ex- expands exponentially. And that's where a, a firing immune system works. So it, by the way, I don't have a clientele that's largely sick. I definitely work with people um, that have chronic illness. or um, But but that's, I'm, I I don't know where the uh, clients come from. Just FYI. <laughs> I just wanted to... That's not what you do. You don't work with, with sick people. You work... I mean, I do with some, but that's not like solely, yeah. You work with human beings (laughs) who, but like my, my experience with you and what I love about you is that 
I get more rooted in my power when I'm with you. I don't get rooted in your power. Right, exactly. I get rooted in like and my I'm very excited about the person sitting in front of me. I'm very I'm very like it's true, uh, you guys. It's fun. It's fun for it's fun yeah, for Yeah, me. so here's <laughs> the weird thing is that we'll be doing these things that are so uh like like can be um some of the deepest wound space and and we'll be laughing hysterically. You know, mm-hmm. which which is something that like is just a anomaly. Like it's not anything. I am certainly not trying to be sideshow Bob. It just happens, and then and then. But what I love about it is that I, I think it's like then we're not so scared, you know, doing this deep work. Um, and you know, so people people come um, that are on all different levels of spiritual awareness. Some people are you know talking you know, more of a language of awakening, which is super cool. Um, and then some people are, are never meditated a day in their life and they just want to feel uh, like more them. And alive. Yes. That's the amazing thing yeah. too about about working with you is that there's just an aliveness that you wish, you know, you could take into every moment of your life. And you can with enough practice or I should speak for myself. Um uh, and I love I love feeling that alive, and I feel that way in in your sessions. I want to ask you because mm-hmm. um, because it's running really late. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you what today looks like. You you run this business. Mm-hmm. You're super busy. You're very well. You're totally vital. You're vibrant. You're vivacious. Right. You're you're mm-hmm. you're killing it. That's not to say that you don't have sure. lingering kind of weird, kind of funky, like, body stuff, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we're not talking like, I'm symptom-free and, like... I do feel that I... Okay, so here's something that's really extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Uh, My... My blood tests don't show any um, any Lyme anymore, like, any antibodies, any anything. Neither Um, do mine. Yeah. So um, there... I think what I experienced today is that basically I am so, so, so tuned into uh, the way that I talk to myself um, and what's happening around. If today it's very rare that I have like a lockdown around um, if I'm tired, you know, or something like that, or if if and and we I'm saying tired, but like let's say you know you're so tired you feel like you don't can't get gas in the car kind of tired, right? Um, <laughs> But like, you know, if any of that kind of stuff is happening, it's like, oh, angel. Yeah, it's a really big feeling right now, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, just I just really try to be with it. And it's sort of like a kid, right, who um, knows if you're full of shit. So it's not like, it's going to be okay, you know? No, no, it's all good. Never, I don't talk to myself like that. I really try to be with the facts, you know, which are, um, you know, I don't know, babe, but I'm going to be right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. And then um, because we're mammals and this is part of the work that I do is I really teach people how to tune into um, their felt sense. And I drop into safety while I'm having a symptom so, so that they can coexist, right? Because we're really able to hold paradox just fine. We're built for it. So here's this scary thing happen with an unanswered question, and here's my ability just to be like, hi, see you, and that's it. And that already gives me more creative energy, and it already gives me like a healing response as opposed to a, oh, no, tight. Yeah. 
Totally. So that's the main difference today. Um, was that? Yeah. No, that okay. and and but so I. That the real question is that I always ask: How do you manage your big full life with self care? Mm-hmm. And you just answered it, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say from knowing you that you also eat really well mm-hmm. and uh, rest mm-hmm. when you need to. And you, obviously, meditation and prayer are a big part of your life mm-hmm. and self care in general. And mm-hmm. you 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 still see a lot of practitioners when you when you oh, need. Oh, I've got actually a team. Yeah. So I would say that's the biggest difference um, uh, between now uh, and before is that I really didn't even understand the level of isolation that I was in just as a person and the shame that I had around uh, feeling like the sickness was a dysfunction that was my fault. So um, if, if this... The major change that happened was that we all deserve love because. Just end of sentence. And that piece is is my touchstone. So it's sort of like, what do I need? Well, today I need touch, you know. So I'll go get a you know a inexpensive massage. You know, there's a really phenomenal um acupuncture school it's 25 dollars you know i mean there's like all these ways i mean i really i've got like five people that i see a month and you don't have to have a ton of money um one of the things that i do is i um put my naked feet on the earth as often as possible um because it really does change my energetic um and you know we're really built to be on the earth without rubber shoes and half the time we're never resetting um, our own energies. Um, And I'm constantly inviting in angels and guidance and, um, hey, you show me. I mean, I always kind of say, like, can you just make it like a four-year-old would understand? That's my prayer all the time is, like, I will totally do it, but it just needs to be, like, a billboard. Yeah, no, it's so funny you just said that because I was, like, because I use the billboard thing a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I need a billboard sign, I need a billboard sign. And as you were just talking, I was like, oh, Stella's the one that told me about the billboard sign. Because <laughs> um, I tell clients that. Like, yeah. pray for a billboard sign. Like, you need to just ask for it to be that specific and that mm-hmm. obvious. Um, yeah, that's 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 amazing. Uh, where can people find you? Um, Instagram, whole being alignment. Um, I'm brand new. Um Oh, did we get a little shy? Oh, yeah, I mean, it's like, well, I just mean like it's a, it's a weird, weird world, y'all. Her, um, her Instagram's amazing. It's a very fun follow. <laughs> you get grounded. You actually get grounded just by looking at it and the stories. So at Whole Being Alignment, I'll attach to that, wholebeingalignment.com mm-hmm. if they if people want to work with you exactly. or they can DM you yeah. on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Um, anywhere else? No. Not right now. No. Great. Uh, but I am doing uh, retreats and those sorts of things. So, uh, you know, kind of constantly and, uh, you know, more more will be revealed. But um, I'm kind of in the gestation process of, you know, what feels good and really waiting until I feel that pull um, and not creating out of a concept or out of what's cool or anything like that. Like, how do I stay in the seat of my heart um, is kind of my mission uh, with whatever because I feel like anything else starts to tear down any anything that fortifies like our brightness, you know. 
Amazing, Stella. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. And guys, wherever you are right now, uh, send me a quick uh, picture on Instagram letting me know. uh, Tell me what's supporting you right now. So start the weekly challenge in this moment. Uh, Send a picture and a little DM or just take a picture and put it in your story somewhere. And 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 tag me too. I'd and love tag, to see those at Whole Being Alignment. And tag Whole Being and Alignment. Give me great joy. Right now, what's supporting you? What's happening in this moment? Okay, guys, love you. See you next week. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Healing Out Loud. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Find me at Jackie on Instagram, my favorite social media platform, and follow me at JackieShay.com if you want to stay in touch. You can also write to me through JackieShay.com if you're interested in working with me as your trusted wellness companion. I'm always happy to hear from you with any questions, comments, or concerns. You can also join the Healing Out Loud with Jackie Shea Facebook group. Have an amazing week, you kick-ass humans. I hope you're able to implement what you learned this week, and I can't wait to share more. Bye.